Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Jim Rats and Joints, hosted by Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Danny G. Dan Gladman. With producer Dan Wong and me, Jeff Cole. Brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. Let's rack it up, Danny G. Okay, and welcome to Gym Rats and Joints, the podcast. This is episode five. We made it to episode five, guys. I'm joined by Javon Shepard and Andy Routens, as always. It's exciting stuff. More exciting, though, is our special guest today. We are so happy to be joined uh, today from Orlando, Florida, in the NBA bubble, assistant coach Scott Morrison of the Boston Celtics. The Celtics and the Toronto Raptors are about to start their semifinal series, or so we hope. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be speaking with you today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Well, we are really, really happy to talk to you today, Scott. And obviously, you're super busy, and it's a crazy time on the eve of the semifinals in the Eastern Conference. And interestingly, it's the first time the, the Celtics and Raptors will meet each other in, in a playoff series. You know, the Raptors have been in the NBA for 25 years. Of course, the Celtics' history goes much, much further back than that. Um, I feel like if we it, to talk about the series, it's it's more what's happening off the court. Uh, there's talk of a, a player boycott or a walkout. Um, Norman Powell, Jalen Brown, Fred Van Vliet have been talking about the emotional trauma that really all of us should be feeling and sharing in regards to the police shooting uh, of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, perhaps in the bubble for, from where you are right now, you can shed some light around the teams within the bubble and, and this issue right now. Well, I think uh, I don't want to speak for any any players or other coaches, but I think that the mood definitely shifted down here, um, maybe in part because playoffs are, are heating up a little bit. But I think the events in Wisconsin really uh, hit hard. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment. And I think that all of us guys like me, especially coming from Canada, being a white male, I'm just going to hear to support whatever the guys think is, is the proper course of action um, and do my part in other ways, like you know, how I, how I teach my son to look at things and what's right and wrong and, and not standing for any kind of injustice that I might see. But at the end of the day, I'm not the one being affected by it most. Um, so I'm here to support them. Like, like a lot of the other coaches are, I don't anticipate something happening with the game, but I could be wrong. Um, but I think all the guys have done a great job while they've been here doing their best to keep the message in front of people, in front of the media. And as one of our coaches said today, you know, he knew everyone was disappointed that something like this could happen after the last couple of months of, of what seemed to be progress. But I think he was right in saying that these guys are making a difference. Uh, it may not see it every day. There may be some 
you know, incidents that still happen, but over the long term, if they stick with it, they have can have a real positive impact on society based on their platform. I, I want to ask you, Coach Morrison, about working with this guy, Shep, who, who I'm now working with. You know, there's this thing about the Canadian basketball community. For me, as someone working in the media all these years, I'm so proud when I see you guys make it to these certain levels. Um, these guys made it in college. They made it in Europe. Even as as a fan, um, and these guys were young, I was super proud of them. Super proud of you coming out of Prince Edward Island and now a, an assistant coach on an NBA team, the Boston Celtics. Can you talk about how you have worked together alongside these Canadian players in your career? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I don't know if we have enough time to go through all the uh, lucky that I got to get here. Um, just by and large, a lot of people helped me along the way. Um, getting lucky with have a few good players playing for me to help me win some games and just a couple of breaks that right place, right time, which is easy to say, I guess I put in some, some work too. Um, but as far as the Canadian angle, I, I'm very proud to have worked for the national program for, I guess, six, seven years. Um, hope that it's not my last, last run either. Um, as far as European players go, like Canadians overseas, I mean to say, uh, I'm always following their careers and kind of getting a, you know, maybe sending a tweet or a, a box score from someone playing overseas to my front office, even if they, I know they won't really uh, look at it, but they know that I'm I'm looking up for the guys. Um, and then the guys in the NBA, uh, I follow all the Canadian guys. Um, I don't know all of them personally. I know most of them, um, but always checking the box scores, see how they did. Uh, rooting for them against the other 2019s except us. And uh, even when they play against the Celtics, I, I obviously want us to win, but I hope they have uh, good games and, and show well for themselves just because I can't really contain that pride. Um, even today, I was, I was I took over the stereo today at practice when we were just doing some shooting, and Drake song came on, and uh, guys are getting on me like, we shouldn't be listening to Drake this week. And I said... <laughs> That, you know, I, I ate Philly cheesesteak last week, and we still won a series. The, the music's music's good. Let's play it. Um, so, no, I got a lot of pride, and um, you know, I guess the Raptors have Chris Boucher. So I've, I've talked to him several times since we've been here, and I uh, was rooting for him all along. But uh, I hope he has a cold stretch here for the next couple couple weeks. Right, and I can attest to the support that you speak on because. You know, my first interaction with you, my first encounter um, was at the Junior National or under 17, I believe it was. And keep in mind, I had always heard about, you know, Coach Scott Morrison, Coach Scott Morrison, because, you know, you had worked with some guys or mentored some guys that I'm pretty close with, Nathaniel Mitchell, as well as some other Canadian guys. But we had never formally met. So I remember coming into the in the into the under 17 camp and think, you know, I'm the big national team guy, I play overseas. I'm just going to come get one of your assistants to work me out after and so forth. Um, and, you know, because we all have, we all have an ego. But I think at that point, the first thing I noticed was how you commanded attention from um, from from the players and just even from even from a, had a sense of humility at the same time. So that balance to me was so crazy, so impressive. I'd never seen that. And I'm like, this is the this is the guy I always heard about. Um, and then fast forward, you know, we, we didn't get to really interact there or had, didn't really have much conversation. But, you know, we, we had a chance to sit down, Coach Jay Triano. Um, sat, had a had a sit down for all a little dinner for all Canadians that were in Las Vegas that summer for summer league, and I I mentioned to you that you know I want to get into scouting and so forth, 
And here you are saying like you want you love to help Canadian guys and so forth um, and take my contact info. And I'm not thinking much of it. You know, you're the Celtics coach. It doesn't everybody says I'm going to help, but they don't really uh, it doesn't really come to fruition. So fast forward, I just landed back overseas maybe a year ago and I get a text from the management. I get a call rather from, you know, somebody in the Boston Celtics staff asking me about my availability and just, you know, what are my goals? Because they were thinking about um, thinking about expanding their, their player development with the main red clause uh, and got my contact from you and my profile. So I, at that point, I was like, wow, this is this guy is actually true to his word. And then even for this, like, you know, fast forward to now current day. And I say you're in the middle of the NBA playoffs, middle of the bubble. And I, I reach out to you and I say, Scott, we need you on this podcast. You're like, sure, no doubt. When do I gotta be there? Do I need to be? Do I need to be cute for FaceTime or or what? And I'm I'm laughing at this guy like, man, like just the humility. Um, but no, I definitely gotta appreciate you for everything you do, man. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I got lucky several times, so there wasn't many Canadians out there to help me. I just happened to, to fluke into something. But uh, as long as I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be pushing for the players and and young coaches coming up. If I can help in any way, I'm gonna try and do that. Coach Morrison, pleasure to have you on. Uh, I think Shep and I are both curious, being former professional athletes, as well as yourself playing at a very high level, what was the most difficult part of transitioning from player to coach? What kind of difficulties did you experience through that transition? Uh, well, for me, I, I, I finished playing um, university and had planned to go overseas and play. I went over for you know a very short time and came back. Um, one might say I checked it out a little bit. The biggest challenge for me was not having a reason to be in shape or not having a reason to work out. But my first couple of years coaching, I would work out myself um, just to kind of get the feeling that, that I liked you know, preparing to be the best I could be, even though there was no reason to be the best I could be as a player. Um, then I learned to shift that kind of competitiveness to, to coaching and preparation and just going about trying to learn more and – I guess that was kind of the, the key for me is when I made that shift in my mind from being a player, you know, a former player to a you know, full-time coach and watching all the time and trying to outwork other coaches as opposed to putting time into training and, and staying in shape. Not that I don't try to stay in shape still, but there's no real goal as opposed to uh, goals that we have coach. Okay, let's say I feel like I probably know Scott Morrison a little better now after his 10-minute interview, and thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Let's get into the Raptors and Celtics. I feel like the Raptors, because of last year, are considered the favorites, which I don't think the Celtics uh, would mind one bit. Maybe there's more pressure on the Raptors, and with the Raptors winning the finals last year, but two years ago, the Celtics were a Game 7 away from qualifying for the finals against LeBron in Cleveland. Uh, what is different or the same about this this Celtics team? Last year they had Kyrie Irving, and I thought that was a much different Celtics team. But I'm seeing in in this year's group something more similar than the team from two years ago. They're they're young, they're more hungry, willing to do anything to get to the finals. What is it about this team so far that puts them in a better position to get there? I th no, I think you have a, a lot of good points there. I know the year after the game seven. Uh, all those young guys had done well. I think maybe they thought it was going to come easy to them because they had gotten to that that point so early in their career. And I think also a lot of them started to get more attention individually and perhaps their goals slid a little bit to the individual side without them even really knowing it. 
Um, our, our team dynamic as far as how we fit together is much better this year. The failures of last season, and I say failures, we made the second round, but we got basically swept by Milwaukee, and it was very disappointing. So I think that this past offseason, all those goals that had kind of got shifted got back to where they need to be in terms of a team standpoint. I think the Raptors set the, the standard for playing together as a team and winning as a team. So I think if we can keep that in our, in our focus and play the same way, I think we have enough talent to compete with them. But I would agree, uh, especially without Hayward uh, in the lineup right now, that you'd have to think the Raptors would be the favorite. And we do have some playoff experience with our young guys, but there's no substitute for the experience that those Raptors guys have going all the way and winning it. Um, and then having to kind of have a chip on their shoulder. Not many champions have a chip on their shoulder like they did because of Kawhi leaving. Um, so I, I'm glad they had a great season because no one's going to take them for granted anymore, despite what the uh, fan base will cry on Twitter about. And I say that in jest because they're all, mostly my friends, but um, no one's no one's taking the Raptors lightly down here. Do you feel you guys have enough depth? Because at this level, everybody has a, you know guys that can score, everybody can rebound, um, everybody can defend. But I feel like depth um, plays a big part. You guys have enough depth, and and for you, like what has been the biggest experience, the biggest factor, biggest impact? Do you say it's experience, um, talent, or just coaching from 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 everything that you've seen so far, whether it be at the NBA level or your coaching experiences? Good coach, good coaching staff. I think it's going to come down to who executes their game plan for a longer period of time each game. Um, and that's kind of what my personal message has been to the guys is just, hey, we're capable of the game plan. We've showed it, you know, in bursts all season. We've showed it against the Raptors in bursts. We had a couple of good games with them. Um, but the key will be to make sure we stick to our game plan for 48 minutes and not get carried away with bad calls, bad shooting, um, you know, worrying about having to win four games. It's just win this possession, stick to the game plan and, and execute it. And I think, uh, the Raptors do that well, so we have our work cut out for us to match that or exceed that. It's funny you say that because at that level, it's often assumed that things get more complex, right? But based on what you're saying, it's it's simplified. And I used to have a coach, uh, John Beeline, when I was at University, University of Michigan, that used to always say less is more, less is more. And really and truly, I didn't understand that until I got into the latter part of my career, which is you know basically the same thing you're, you're echoing here. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing I've learned uh, in the last six years being being with Celtics is just, and, and the NBA in general, it's obviously a higher level. And when you get into the playoffs, there's some more in-depth scouting. But at the end of the day, the stuff, the fundamentals that you're teaching and the game plan that you're putting together is not much different than I would, would have put it together for Lakehead University or uh, U-17s or whatever the case may be. Coach, I had the opportunity to play against Coach Stevens at Butler, and I know firsthand how well-prepared he is. I'm curious what kind of atmosphere he tries to cultivate in Boston and what it's like to work for him. So the biggest thing I've learned from, from Coach is just his, I would say two things, his positivity. He wants to make sure everyone's feeling good going into big games like this. Uh, and that might go into play and what drills he designs, how he uh, runs practice, what clips he shows for film. Uh, he wants everyone in a positive, confident mindset and does a great job of kind of cultivating that. And the other thing I've learned from more from an individual perspective is just, um, I mean, no one has more prep than him. I mean, Coach Nurse might be equal to him, but I, I can't see anyone being more prepared than Coach Stevens. And what he does better than anybody is he has that preparation in his mind, his, his knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and when the game's on the line, 
and things are getting intense and things are getting crazy, he's able to stay calm so that he can access that information that he has built up. Whereas a lot of coaches, including myself before I got here, would have been more frantic and probably forgetting half the shit that I, you know, I, I prepared with going into the game but in, the, in the crunch time like no one else. Man, I've seen you in those frantic states before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that Andy brought up the coaches because I think, Scott, uh, that the head coaching matchup um, is fascinating. I, I look at uh, at the two guys, Brad Stevens and Nick Nurse, probably considered at this point to be two of the best, uh, if not the very best coaches uh, in the NBA today. I'm glad that came up. Um, I think that's going to be a fascinating chess match as the series goes on. We'll get you out of here on this. The Kemba Walker, Walker factor. Playing in the playoffs for the for the first time, obviously he's been jacked. And really a lot of guys um, on their Raptors have been defined. Their careers have been defined by last year's run. That doesn't take away from the hunger and the desire to repeat. They still have a chip on their shoulder. Um, but a guy like Kemba Walker has to be looking at this as something he's been waiting for his entire career. If you could maybe put into words how Kemba helps your team beat at practice, his attitude, or whatever it is that that might give the Celtics an edge. Sure. I mean, there's no question he was hungry to, to get that series last week. Um I think I think I could be mistaken, but I think he had one appearance in the playoffs and got swept by Cleveland. But I, I might be wrong on that. But he was he was definitely. I mean, he said it himself. This is one of the reasons that he's here um, to get a chance to compete in the postseason. And the thing I noticed about him last series was that there were times where anytime you get up three nothing or two nothing, and you know one of the games was a, a blowout, guys can tend to get complacent, and that's how other teams get back into the series or back into the game. And every time out when Maybe we let our foot off the gas a little bit. Um, Kemba will be the one standing up, you know, in a positive way, but getting on the guys, hey, we got to stick to what we're doing here. Can't let our, our intensity slip. Can't let our competitiveness slip. Got to keep pushing, keep the gas down, and, and so forth, all, all the cliches. So um, he's going to keep an eye to things, and he's not necessarily always our the most vocal leader or the guy who takes the most shots, but he is the most veteran in terms of those guys, and um, it would be hard to argue that someone is more hungry than him to win, um, having not had the success before in a postseason, but had a great career leading up to this. Okay, well, Coach Scott Morrison, we are so grateful you took the time uh, from the bubble in Orlando. We wish you the best in the series against the Raptors. And I know I speak for everyone. We are greatly looking forward uh, to watching this second round series. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Well, it was great to have Scott on uh, on the podcast this week. And guys, I think we'll we'll stick to start with with this Celtics Raptors series. Um, Andy, I'll I'll start with you. What do you think? What do you see happening? Well, I'm really hoping Kalo gets healthy. I hope that uh, his injury is not too significant. I think you know, despite the Raptors being 12 and two without him this season, uh, I think that they they may struggle a little bit with playoff experience. Because uh, you know, Kalo has that in spades, and uh, he's he's indefinitely their leader of this team. Not to say that Fred Van Fleet can't carry them. Uh, I'm more than confident and capable in his, in, in, uh, in his capabilities to do that. Uh, but it's going to be a tough series. I think Boston's going to bring it. Like you said, Coach Stevens is uh, you know overly well prepared, uh, and, and he's never rattled. And they have a, a young core group that you know has a lot of energy and, and playoff experience from the last couple of years so it's going to be an interesting one well i i think that you know you look at a that that stat 12 and 2 without lowry in the lineup mm-hmm. and it, it tells you one thing but there it it doesn't tell me something else you know who are those 14 opponents mm-hmm. 
Did they play the Celtics right. without Lowry? Did they play some of the top teams, or were, or were they playing cupcakes? Right. I, I I'd like to look, you know, to look into it further. I I just I, I'm with you. I think Freddie Van Vliet is a terrific player, mm-hmm. and he can carry a team. But can he carry them in a seven game series against a really feisty, hungry opponent um, without? that security of knowing that that mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry is there and I I don't know. See, and I think we're looking at the wrong at the wrong places. One, okay, Kyle Lowry out, we're losing more than just stats and we're losing more than our leader, we're losing or they the Raptors are losing the heart and soul of their team. Mm-hmm. But I think most importantly, Pascal Siakam is the guy we paid the big bucks, is the guy that we put, you know, we've given the keys to this team to. Mm-hmm. So I I think we need to demand more from the Raptors are going to have to demand more Pascal's going to have to put out more for the Raptors to be successful in this series and I think that's where you know we need to shift you know our attention as viewers as fans um and then the Raptors themselves like this is this is where they need to look Mm -hmm. well don't let's say Lowry's out even for a game or two do you not think that the Gasol Ibaka combination still gives the Raptors an edge. Yeah. A, because the two of them have been playing so well, really going back to last year, mm-hmm. during the regular season, in the bubble, definitely in the Brooklyn series. Their combination of skill, um, experience, background, and the fact that Ibaka's coming in off the bench, I, I still... I mean, that, that's a great duo, but if you can't get the basketball over half court... That negates both of those guys. Well, what, Kemba's right. going to be at the other end of the court do playing full court on Fred? No, they're not getting I up. think Terrence Davis can give them some good minutes as well Terrence and alleviate some pressure. Um, but I think what the thing that I'm not worried about is that Coach Nurse tries to implement uh, 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 a style of play uh, where, where anybody could be integrated at any given time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how they run, you know, having experienced their training camp and their practices. All the guys are running all the same sets. Uh, they're getting all the same amount of time. Uh, and I think that's his goal is that, you know, 1 through 15, that anybody can come in and give minutes and quality minutes, and that's why they're on this team. But does anybody demand out of the guys like Kyle Lowry demands of them? So I think that's mm-hmm. that's what you're going to be. There's no doubt his presence will be there on the bench, yeah, even if he doesn't team, play. They've gotten progressively – like he's the, the – winning. was he the winningest player in, yeah. in Raptors history yeah. right now. So this is more to him than just a series, right? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's, you know – continuing to write his legacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one game, two game. I don't even think he's going to miss that much just because of the competitor that he is. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to say he'd miss even one game if he was able to play. It, it would be more surprising if he right. didn't play even exactly. one game. Yeah. yeah, And AR, you know how it is. The NBA description, injury description is you for think sure. guys are going down for a year. And for sure. It could be just a, you know, mildly uh, Point in case, well. Luca last game. Yeah. Or the, the game uh, prior to game yeah. four. Well, yeah, and I, obviously we're going to talk about Luca and Jamal Murray and so, some of these mm-hmm. unbelievable individual performances. You know, the thing with the, with the Lowry injury, yeah, sometimes you just you just don't know the extent of it. But we do know that the Gordon Hayward injury for the Celtics, he is out. That's He's not going to play in yeah. this in this series. So, you know, I don't think we're going to see him rolled in. How big a loss is that for the Celtics? Uh, at at this point, I mean, are are they not as good as they were because he's not there? I think they won't be as good because again, when it, when it comes to playoff basketball, just like Scott, Coach Scott Morrison said, there's more scouting, there's more that goes into it now, and he's a guy that was able to offset a lot for those guys and come in, play some ball screen, facilitate it as well. 
as well he's the guy that can give you 20 points on, mm-hmm. on any given night. And he's so, the guy who's been with Coach Stevens since college, right? Exactly. So, so he, he can trust in him and you know any given time on the floor. Exactly. And I think because of that and, and the loss of him, a lot of those guys are going to run out of gas coming down the stretch. So that's that's something to watch and something to look out for. I think he's just as big a loss as Kyle Lowry is to the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Wow, just, really? Different, different losses, but their impact is similar. Interesting. Well, uh, I think it's going to be the toughest series of the playoffs, at least in the East, for the defending champions. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have the Raptors coming out of it in uh, in a Game Seven, um, but I think I think these guys are going to be pushed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Shep was a little surprised at my prediction there. Um, I, I think that uh, this this reminds me a bit of the Philadelphia series um, in mm, the twenty nineteen playoffs. Um, Philadelphia came in determined, hungry. Um, I do think that it was, even though they had Jimmy Butler, I think there were some mistakes in that game seven that maybe cost them. Um, but I, I'll, I'll be surprised to see those from the Celtics. I think this is going to be a, uh, a series that's, that's going to go down to the wire. It's going to be a barn burner. Let, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Luka Doncic. Andy, you are, you already brought him up. Yeah. Um, we thought there was a bit of an ankle issue, and then he came out with one of the most spectacular games, which is saying a lot because just this year in the playoffs, we've seen unbelievable performances. But I will that, say this. That was one for the ages. Before you get into the, the yeah. Luka situation, having an injury, in my mind, that you can play through, sometimes you play better yes. because you're not focused on the game. You're focused on how, you, how your body feels. And and every the game comes naturally because it's it's in the back of your mind. So you're just in that flow state. You're only worried about one thing: can I play? And as, if you can play, and you you get that adrenaline rush, all you're focused on is 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 you know getting through the game. And and sometimes I've had my best games. Yeah, when I See, was. The, yeah, this is interesting. In this is interesting. Yes. Can, you, can you give me an example? Is there one specific uh, night? The- okay, so I mean, it was a insignificant game. I think we played Robert Morris my senior year at Syracuse. Um, and I rolled my ankle uh, to the point where I was in a boot after practice the day before. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, there's no way that I can start my senior year like this. So, you know, if I had the energy or the capability to play, I would do that. So, you know, I'm in warmups. I'm like, fuck. I'm, I'm talking to my trainer like, yeah, I can't even move right now, you know. <laughs> and, you know, as soon as you hear those intros, as soon as you, you know, you see 20,000 fans in the stands, you know that that adrenaline starts to rush through your body, and then your 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 spring feels a little lighter. Your steps feel a little lighter. So mm-hmm. then, once game time comes around, you decide to play. Start After to the warm. game, you know, I had seven threes in the game. You know, we win by you know a heavy margin, maybe twenty <laughs> points, and it was because it was you know the game was the last thing on my mind. It was I want to be here for my team, and and if I can play, I'm going to do that. And I'm worried about. You know, if if I'm if I'm gonna be okay after the game, so I wound up being in a boot after the game, and I didn't I didn't practice the rest of the week. So so I got you out of practice. But that's, <laughs> that's practice the tough the part is that next practice, the coach is probably looking at you like, let's yeah, go. Like yeah, that's always the true. case. But so true. I th- you know just to echo what Andy's saying, I think also a big part of that is it's your competitor, and it's I think it's innate where you naturally now identify what you do well. You. And you stick to that. So you simplify exactly what, what, what Andy does well. So he gets to his spots, makes those shots, and you focus more on on how to um, – the end goal as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, just going through the motions. and, and just, Or how am I playing. Or how or, you're playing. Or, you know, how like you, yeah, exactly. you think less. You, you, and you, just, you really identify exactly what my strengths and my weaknesses are. And I stick to that because you can't use 
you can you have no time to exert no extra energy or aggravate whatever the, the, the injury may be. So, um, you know, I know for you that would been picking your corners, picking your spots, getting your shots up, mm. and that's it. Yeah, for that's sure. it. I'm not doing anything in that, in that state. Yes, for sure. And exactly. sorry to interrupt, but who was your backup? Because you know that guy all year was going. <laughs> this is his chance. Eh? Who was your backup? Mookie Jones, I believe, out of uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. Yeah, what a guy. I never heard him. Never heard of him. <laughs> never heard of him. <laughs> Uh, D'Antoni did that to me in New York as well. Yeah, I was supposed, I was scheduled for a meniscus surgery. Uh, we were blowing out Utah. Uh-huh. I didn't play a lick. Uh-huh. And we were, you know, uh, a week or two away from the playoffs. And the crowd starts chanting, you know, Andy Rowers. And D'Antoni's looking down the bench, knows I'm going to get surgery, knows it. I'm I'm barely able to walk at this point, <laughs> but I had to dress because if you know for yeah, some, MB, yeah, he didn't throw you in there. Threw me in there. He didn't throw you in there. I had five minutes where I just looked like shit, <laughs> and and it just confirmed everybody's notion in New York about you know why'd you pick this guy, yada yada. But oh my god, uh, but I was able to get through it, you know, because because of the fact that you know you you do have that course into your veins, and and you know you do want to do well. Yeah. Team, so speaking of D'Antoni, I saw an early rumor about Let's him. Let's get into D'Antoni. <laughs> he might be coaching indiana pacers next year yeah, yeah nate mcmillan was was let go uh shortly after they were i saw that i think they were swept by miami yeah, yeah. which which to me was a surprise right. so he's out mm-hmm. and and d'antoni's contract is up with houston and mm-hmm. you know he might walk away from there but that's going to bring up the issue of small market teams and big mm-hmm. market teams because mm-hmm. as much as he could help a team like indiana they might not have the uh the Bucks, the Bucks yeah. pay him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, I think we were going to talk about Luca. Luca, yeah. Let's <laughs> that's go back how, to Luca. That's how this started, okay. and yeah. I do think it's it's interesting. And I was also going to throw in there the example as a producer. You know, there were those days where you just you felt sick. You might have had a cold or the flu or several and beers <laughs> or several beers. <laughs> What's that flu called? <laughs> the hangover flu. Yeah. Well, some sometimes, you know, and this goes for everybody in 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 the workplace, right? There's those days and you just feel like you got to fight through it. You got to go to work sick. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously different than being injured, but man, I think that's one thing that's going to change in the world right now. When you are sick, you do not go to work. <laughs> but d- diff- different with injuries. Mm-hmm. Um Shep, let, let's start with you on on Luca. Uh, this this guy has come of age, and he looks like he's probably the, the dominant player <laughs> of the next five to ten years. And that he is. I mean, this guy. You know, he's been playing professionally since he's been sixteen. Like he's been playing at the Euro League level. And I think this is also what not he's just doing anywhere now. either. Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Yeah, not just on any Euro League champions. He was right. on their pro senior team by at age sixteen, 16? Yeah. playing Euro League, the yeah. second best league professional league in the world at yeah. 16 I, yeah. he was was he mvp, MVP. he was also mvp at 16, age 16? 16 he had a 16 and 8 in the final can you ex- yeah. explain to me how that's even possible a 16 year old he's a savant that's yeah. the bottom line yeah he he already had the body i would assume seven feet tall yeah. built well, fast he was pretty built because remember that was a question coming into the draft is like his size is he going to be able to maintain yeah and athleticism right. going to be able to maintain over the course of 82 games. But look what he's doing to guys like Kawhi and Pat Bev. He's putting them in the basket on the rim. <laughs> I've seen him put them in the ringer. I think yeah. also with him is that he just understands um, the European game mm-hmm. as well as the, the, the North American game. And he's mm-hmm. able to – he's found a, a balance between both. Mm-hmm. So he's tough to cover. And as well as – again, he's a facilitator as well. So not only is he scoring, not only is he um, getting guys involved, but mm-hmm. – you like we've been a part of it where you play 
at the national team level at world championships mm-hmm. and you're playing for your country every not to game. mention he won Slovenia uh, uh, world championship yes 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 yes, yes. a world? European championship I'm sorry yep. European and that's that's almost even as big as winning an NBA title for them and that, that's Absolutely. massive for an entire country it, I'm sure yeah. it was the first time they'd ever yeah, won it yeah ever yeah so, so uh, you know what I found funny I saw this thing on Instagram it was saying that they uh, the Clippers fans had uh, made a petition to send Paul George overseas <laughs> and there's thousands of signatures there's thousands of signatures and what blew my mind was paul george was absolutely annihilated by a guy who just came from europe yeah and that speaks to the level of basketball you know lucas said it's actually easier to score in the nba than it is in europe and that's because of the lack of uh you know the three the, there's no three, three seconds key yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't have the ball in your hands as much as as an NBA point guard does because you you know you'll get chastised for that. The coaches like the extra yeah, pass and, and the getting the team involved. Uh, the defenses are more tightly packed, so this is there's a number of reasons why he's having more success right now, and, he, and not to mention his you know his, his uh, natural his, ability, his natural ability, and his gifts. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot more room to work. Like mm-hmm. in Europe, right, there's court, two yeah. or three guys in the paint, and the defense has shifted so mm-hmm. that there's. You know the, the guy with the ball. There's there's pretty much four defenders mm-hmm. um, guarding him and one one floating, just covering the weak side mm-hmm. for any any weak side pass. Whereas now, when you're in the NBA, if you get past that first defender, that key is completely open. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a, a counter move, which he has a lot of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you can you can make a play or make a basket. And so. the term the term being on an island in the <laughs> NBA. There's no there's really no such thing as being on an island in, in Europe. No, because the defense is is set in the paint. It, you know, it takes away the complete game of going one on one, and then you have the last guy to clothesline, you. right? So that works <laughs> exactly. too. Exactly. <laughs> but you guys did. You guys said mentioned Paul George. He has a lot going on. It's not basketball related, but I did. I mentioned this to Danny the other day. His, I don't think you guys realize him and Seth have a little have a little battle going on. But Paul George is okay. Let's 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 trap back. Okay. I, this is how it goes. So Doc Rivers' daughter. Mm-hmm. Was Paul, Paul oh, we're George's? Into the, yeah, we're getting to the nitty gritty. Let's go. So Paul George's, sorry, Doc Rivers' Dr. daughter Kendall was Paul George's girlfriend, okay. who he cheated on and got this stripper pregnant. Oh wow! Fast forward now, which so I don't know how Doc Rivers is coaching him. First of all, uh-huh. but whatever, that's another conversation. Yeah. Fast, for, <laughs> fast forward now. Fast forward now. Seth Curry is married to Doc Rivers' daughter, which is Paul George's ex. So if you see a little, you know, a little, yeah. little extra like nudge, a little yeah. extra bump going on, there's, there's, there's even that. Yeah. So Paul George has a lot going on right yeah, now. Yeah. Like so, not to mention bubble stuff. life. He said, right. he, was, he said he was really. And we're in the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> said he was struggling with the bubble a lot. He's in a dark place. Right. Really. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Paul George went through some things mm-hmm. with the Indiana Pacers with with Roy Hibbert. Mm-hmm. Um. In in those years, um. It's really interesting to me that in this series that to me is really about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and Luka Doncic have become the stories for their for their respective teams, yeah. but I mean George really after 3 miserable games um really shut down the the critics with mm-hmm. his his game 5. Yeah. Make no mistake about it, he is he's an absolute star. Yeah. So so why would he why would he struggle 3 games in a row that are so important to his team? I mean, you, you can't really tell. Obviously, I think that there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that Chef uh, alluded to. But, you know, just being in that bubble too. You know, guys are are used to having 
you know, a certain pregame routine uh, uh, or, you know, being able to see their family helps a lot. Um, so obviously there's a different dynamic uh, to, to their game right now. But uh, you look at PG when he was in Indiana and what he was doing to LeBron in the playoffs. I mean, he's a stud. I mean, you can build your team around this guy. Make no mistake about it. But everybody has their ups and downs. It's just expected that stars will have less ups, or less, less downs than ups. Pardon me. Yeah, and they are human, right? So you have to factor that right. in as well. So, like you said, there could be a, there's a lot of variables. Again, you're in the bubble. A lot of factors could could have could have play in here. Yeah. And it, guys are out of their routine. And and basketball is a game of up and downs. It's also a game of runs. Mm-hmm. This just happened to be Paul George's, you know, downtime. He, he could yeah. pick it up and completely turn this whole the, the landscape of this whole trajectory He's of this team around. You know, two three more games. So you can't really measure him by what. It just happened the last three games or previous three games, mm-hmm. but you know what he his last at bat. So his last game was he obviously showed what he can do, and we know he's talented. So it, it's interesting to me what what you guys are saying about being in the bubble and and how it affects your life because mm-hmm. most of them, a lot of these guys, it seems like they're playing better than ever, mm-hmm. and we're seeing performances uh, from Luka Doncic. Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, um, individual performances. You know, we, we've always known what their potential is, but they're right now playing better. You know, Jamal Murray's playing better than I've ever seen him. Not 92 points in the last two games. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell, I think, has had two 50-point games. And I, I think, I feel like I said it before, but that Denver-Utah first is the best series of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, so why... I don't know, maybe we're getting into human nature here in psychology, but it seems like most of the athletes, at least at the star level, are not being affected, and, and maybe they're even better because they're able to focus. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know why some guys aren't able to, why there is the, re, you know, you have these reasons why maybe they're not playing well in the bubble. I think stars are stars for a reason. They put in that, that body of work, and they have that work ethic. So there are guys that are probably... You know, even if they weren't in this bubble here, they isolate themselves and have a, a certain level of work ethic mm-hmm. that they put towards their craft. Mm-hmm. So this not only this being isolated now just helps them to focus and, you know, be situate themselves more uh, on their craft right now. You know, what's an interesting thought, too, is that when you're in the bubble, you're just like everybody else. Yeah. You know, a, a star is, you know, right next door to the guy who's the 15th man on the bench. And when you're out of the bubble, stars can be stars in different ways, right? Yeah. You can go to the clubs. You can be the guy. You know, you can go shopping and, you know, you can you can raid Nordstrom's, whatever <laughs> you want to do, right? And you can come back and, you, you know, your $300,000 car. Yeah. And you can feel your ego plays a big role in this, too. No, and, just toss and, it out. Yeah, exactly. So I think that it, it's it's a place where the real hoopers come to hoop, and, and, and that's showing right now. And, and just, to, you know, what you were saying, and you mentioned Murray, I think what was even more impressive about him to me, I think he said he had 90 points in the last... 92 points. 92 points in the last two games. two games and 15 assists. Yes. So he's pretty much accounted for approximately like 120 or more, 120 minimum points for for his team. But what we what people are forgetting is that he has zero assists. Sorry, sorry zero turnovers. Wow. That's right. So that, that's a level of efficiency yeah. that yeah. We're, not, we're not accounting for right mm-hmm. here. That's mm-hmm. actually crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So and even if you take... Uh, you know, take away the points. It's a fifteen to to zero turnover mm-hmm. to assist to turnover ratio. That's now, is there unheard is there of. any question that he's the guy for Canada going forward? 
following there this. Can't be there can't question. be. There can't be. There can't be. I, I saw it in the 2015 Pan Am Games. Right. Exactly. His leadership mm-hmm. um, against the USA in that uh, medal round game, and I mean, come on, he he's now he's going to start putting together a resume as the best Canadian player, maybe ever. Ever. Yeah. I mean, right now it's. You know Steve Nash and Andy yeah. Routens, mm-hmm. right? Wow. But it's it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> Jamal Murray, probably. Well, I mean, I don't know if he'll get two MVP awards. Yeah, um, he's still pretty young. He's young. He's got yeah. time. He's still what, pretty what he's young. Doing is just astonishing. I, yeah. And I think to answer your question, it's also going to come down to his level of commitment. Like if he's willing and wants, but that's then the he's thing. Be he's the publicly stated that he wants to put Canada on the map. Then he's, we he's just got to see him lace, lace him up. Once he laces him up and gets on the court, then yeah. We see, but if if so, yeah, like he's yeah. he's the guy. Canada like could be scary going forward. He's the guy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Guys, I want to read you a tweet. And, you know, it's going to give away a little bit that we've recorded this a little bit in advance. But Mm -hmm. we're we're sitting here having uh, a conversation about ball that I'm I'm loving. Mm -hmm. But to see what's going on here, Adrian Wojnarowski... The Milwaukee Bucks have decided to boycott Game 5, source tells ESPN. So we were talking to Scott Morrison earlier, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't, he seemed more, I don't know, he seemed more 60-40 that Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. Toronto-Boston Game Mm 1 would take place. But, oh my goodness, we have a boycott Mm -hmm. of an NBA playoff game in just already extreme circumstances where... A, you know, a lot of mountains have been moved mm-hmm. just to make these games possible. Mm-hmm. And um, the Bucks just never came out onto the court. The, the Magic were warming up. Wow, wow. There were four minutes left. The Magic saw that they didn't have an opponent, and they went into their locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your What's your first reaction to this? I'm I'm shocked. I, I didn't think... I'm shocked in the I'm, best I'm way shocked possible. And I, but I'm not mad at the gesture right. at that, you know, because... I think, and Fred said it best, Fred Van Fleet's sentiments towards this said it best, that, you know, these guys have microphones in their face all the time, but mm-hmm. one of the leaders is going to step up, like, who are who are mm-hmm. our leaders? And I think if you have something like that coming from the top, mm-hmm. that's, that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not just, it's not just the black guy saying, you know, we need justice or social injustice and economic injustice, mm-hmm. but now the head honchos are saying, no. We're stepping up to this to the to the plate with these guys, and we're supporting, and, and everybody we're, we're taking a stand together. So, um, like, I can't wait to get off this cast and get to <laughs> get to the get to Twitter, get yeah. to read read up what's really going on. But no, that's that's impressive, and for the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks and everybody involved, definitely commend and tip my hats. Hopefully, a lot of other sports teams take take heed to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I saw an excerpt from uh, Coach Nurse, who obviously is is on board with with whatever his players are going to decide to do. Uh, and I have nothing but respect for him for that. Um, he alluded to the fact that there, there is, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's press about it. There's tweets about it. There's Instagram hashtags about it, but there's not enough action. And yeah. this is one of the most intriguing, uh, you know, mainstream ways to put that into action. 
And, uh, you know, despite the fact that we're all loving basketball right now and it's at its, its peak and I think it's great, there are big, bigger issues at hand. And there's a lot of guys who went to the bubble with that in mind. And, uh, you know, I, I fully support them and what they want to do if, if uh, you know, this is the route that they want to take for sure. I read an article with Frank Vogel. Uh-huh. He, he made some comments. And I, I thought he was a little tone deaf uh-huh. because he, had, he mentioned, um, you know, that there's conversations of, of this happening, but at the same time, you know, playing and, and going the further they go, we can also make right. I a bigger message. I kind of so looked I, at that cross And I read, it, I read it two or three times yeah. like, and looked at it like, Hold on now. Yeah. Like, what are we? I, I and okay. I'm I'm trying to play devil's advocate and see both sides. So, on one end, I I understood where he, what he may be saying, but at the same time, it doesn't really do much. It for you, this, this serves a purpose. Like, this is your team goes on and wins a championship. Great, everybody celebrates. Mm-hmm. But does it does it send them an emphatic message? to what we're really trying to convey right now. Not necessarily. So I was a little sensitive to that. I, I didn't understand. I, I read it a couple of times hoping that I, I, I misunderstood or misinterpreted. But, you know, I think with in light of what's going on right now, that was a little um, tone deaf. Interesting. I, I hadn't seen that. I, I am absolutely blown away that this is happening, that an NBA team has taken this position. I, I, I think it's incredible. Um, I think... The NBA players and teams are the only sport that has the courage, to use a polite word, to to pull this off. And uh, I think it's just it's just incredible. But I do have to ask the question, um, as we are in this week of the the Republican National Convention in the United States, which is taking all the air out of the balloon. It's soaking up all the attention. I understand the boycott and I support it 100%. But what is what is the actual changing agent for the laws here? What what is the what is the long game here? I mean, is this the end of the NBA season? Um is there something that is there going to be a a a message sent, a manifesto that says this needs to change? Mm-hmm. Um, because if the message really isn't delivered, and, and let's be honest, as big as the NBA is, it doesn't impact 100% of the people who live in the United States. It's a I mean, like what what is the real accomplishment here, uh, other than you know a, a news cycle of at least one day, and probably it's going to be two or three days. You got to figure every team's now going to follow follow this. Now, I I, I doubt the NBA is going to say, well, okay, Orlando gets Game Six. Or, or a game five. So what, you know, what's the, what's the long play here? Like what, what can this accomplish? Mm-hmm. I, Anyone know? Cause I don't, I don't. Know. I, that's why I'm asking the question. But I, you know what? I think obviously, you know, I'm not a black man, so I can't speak on, you know, what we should do right now. And, and I think that basketball takes a backseat to what's happening in our nation right now. That being said, I mean, Shep, I'm alluding, to the, I'm, I'm alluding to the fact of what you talked about with Coach Vogel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, it's okay to align our goals here with regard to we're here to compete uh, for a championship, but further we advance in the playoffs, the further our platform to speak upon this grows. Yeah, that wasn't. Right. So he kind of made it a, a, as a means to, to use basketball even further as opposed to directly dissect the problem here with the platform that they have without it. You're right. 
and uh, you know now that I'm thinking, I believe we you know we just had another situation with uh, Jake Blake, I believe his name was that was just shot seven times in his mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. from Wisconsin. Yes, right. So I think Milwaukee taking this stand now is extremely important because yeah. that's in their that's their home, mm-hmm. right? And essentially all our homes as well. Once you know, when we're talking about social issues like mm-hmm. this, but you know that's. That's an issue that needs to be heard there now. It's gonna that's that's gonna send more volumes, more waves. You know, starting if we start in Wisconsin, cool. Then we you know echo out or, or on, a, on a media level. I always just think TSN was carrying the game. All of their brought all of their advertisers don't get a game. ESPN or NBA TV. I, I'm not sure who was covering this afternoons. None of so you know when they do those advertising boycotts. Johnson and Johnson, my pillow guy for Fox, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. This does have an economic and therefore perhaps a social change or at least a little push because that's what changes things a little bit. Now, to your point, Danny G, I like I I was disheartened. You know, I was just another approach to black people that hasn't changed and I there's a certain level where you're sitting there going, does this change anything to your point? What what happens next? I, I'll say this. And I thought about it on the way here as well is that, you know, and I'm glad it's happening because it's going to speak to the law enforcement there as well. And it starts somewhere. But, you know, do I have the answers for change? No. One thing I do know is that a lot of these officers, a lot of these cops, they're acting out of emotion. Right. These cops, it gets it, six months to become six, seven months, whatever it is to become a police officer and enforce the law. Mm-hmm. It takes a lawyer or a, you know a judge, whatever, years. years to be in the position they're in. These officers don't know the law, right? They're just so now they're acting out of emotion. This is something you know, learned, taught behavior mm-hmm. that you know they step into an act. Now, you know, in that situation, I'm thinking about that situation there, and you know, black males, black whatever are known to be aggressive and, and, and so forth. That's what they're said to be. Now, when you look at the kids that were in that car, what do you like? They now psychologically, mentally, they're frustrated. They're hurt. They're, you know, they're torn. They're going to be angry. They're going oh, to be aggressive. It plays into every reason why. Right. This is every reason to be aggressive. It's a self fulfilling yeah. cycle yeah. Of, of violence yeah. that, it until it's stopped, mm-hmm. it, it is going to continue, and it, it starts with the laws. But and you so, can't uh, continue to have law enforcement get a badge in six months, right? Right, like you that's, don't know. That's an you need to do a better problem. job vetting out exactly the people that they bring in, exactly. Percent. And uh, so Fred Van Fleet, his idea in saying that uh, is uh, in a perfect world, we're all saying we're not playing, and then the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks that's going to trickle down. If he steps up to the plate and puts pressure on the district attorney's office and state attorney and governors and politicians, those are the people that are there to make a real change mm-hmm. and to have justice. Mm-hmm. So I think indeed that this is an effective way to do what they're, you know, there to do. It, it, it's interesting hearing who some of these leadership voices mm-hmm. in the NBA, and I, I think Fred Van Vliet, who I've since I've known him, which I guess is three four years now. Had, the poise Stand and up. intelligence of this guy is is remarkable. I don't know if any of you guys saw the comments from Doc Rivers yep. on yep. Uh, Tuesday night after the Clippers won Game Five. Emotional Doc Rivers. He was yeah. emo- he, he was almost brought to tears, and quite frankly, I was almost brought to tears listening to it. I mean, mm-hmm. he basically said it. 
we love this country so much. Why don't you love us back? Mm -hmm. And I think what Fred Van Vliet was alluding to um, in some comments I heard from him was why does it always have, why do we have to be the ones to sacrifice to to point out the change? Mm -hmm. And I, I think when he's saying that, he's saying black males, black females. Mm -hmm. Why, um, why, if that's the group that is is being uh, discriminated against and, and shot in mm -hmm. the streets like this, mm -hmm. it really needs to be on everybody else Absolutely. outside of that community mm -hmm. to support that cause and to and to make the changes. And I guess, and I think, Wong, or you, you point this out, you know, a, a lot of money is going to be lost today um, with that game. And I mean, in my gut, I think they will play the game at a later date. I don't think they're going to just mark it down as a forfeiture and or Orlando gets the win because they, they still want to do the game. But uh, the, the, the rest, the, the community of advertisers and television people at this point, really everybody has to stand up and say, this is no longer tolerable in the United States and Canada. Although I, I, I think we have problems in Canada. I don't mm -hmm. think we have, have it to the extent in the United States, mm -hmm. i.e. police shootings, but, um, I, I, I think that people outside of that community right now today mm -hmm. have to stand up and support this. And support, and it needs to be a domino effect. You'll really get to see who's support and who's really just mm -hmm. saying and who's acting. Mm -hmm. Like saying is one thing, acting is another. So to, to touch on what you said, Wonger, um, you know, that, that time frame for those stations need to be filled. What are we filling it with now? What mm -hmm. are they filling it with? Mm -hmm. Like that should, everything should be covered. Or this should be a moment to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna shed light on these issues. Even though it, it could be TSN, it could be ESPN, it could be a sports channel, mm -hmm. it could be a sports outlet. But why did these players in this this organization take that stand? That's something to cover too, because it is sport related, right? And mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we we unify through sport and music. So mm -hmm. sports outlets, cool. This is a this is a perfect time. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect platform, perfect scenario. Um, to follow and cover. So, yeah, it, it needs to be a domino effect. So I imagine there's going to be a lot more to come. It'll, yeah. And you'll really get to see who's on board. It'll be really interesting to see uh, how the president reacts to this as someone mm -hmm. who almost directly opposes and, you know, is incendiary about about this topic. He's uh, probably somewhere very, spray tanning right very now. Very interesting <laughs> to see how that goes. Well, it's fucking asinine to me that this is still an issue, that this is still ongoing, that kids have to see their their father get shot nine times it's it's disgusting and disheartening and you know at the end of the day I, we're all made of the same shit I, I just don't understand how you can have so much pre prejudice and and you know your subconscious can bring you to a point like you said chef it's all about how you're raised and how you come up and america the world really needs to do a better fucking job of of learning of of you know instilling different values and and there's no better time than right now for that to be mm -hmm. what needs to happen mm -hmm. not to, not this should have happened fucking eons ago in my opinion but if there's any time that's going to change it's right right now so well we came here today <laughs> to discuss <laughs> basketball <laughs> and just some just outrageous events have been happening um in the united states in Canada over these weeks and months um, with the virus and with uh, 
black men being shot by police blatantly in front of cameras. It is a, a distressing time. It really is. And I think that uh, we're all seeking change and to see things become more peaceful um, and better for everybody. What what strikes me, and I think we're I think we're gonna cut the show a little a, a little early here because I don't think there's I don't think we can talk about basketball right now. Uh, I I honestly don't know when the next basketball game is going to be played, mm-hmm. um, because I think the events happening in the United States are just so gigantic right now. We are finding ourselves in a, a moment of crisis, a time of revolution. And but I, I will say this um, as, as we're signing off today, um, my heart and mind, obviously to the families of the victims, but to these NBA players, these basketball players who are taking the stand, there cannot be. I don't. I don't have to even ask you, Andy, or ask you, Shep, how painful it has to be. You're at. You're there to play ball, and you have to say, no, we're not doing this today. We're not. We're not going to play ball. An NBA playoff game. Uh, a, a, when I was producing those games, every game felt like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. To imagine playing in a in a playoff game at high level basketball for these guys to take this brave stand um, in front of the world to say we're not playing until these laws are changed, until justice is brought to police who shoot um, young men based on the color of their skin. Um, so that, that, that's my piece on that. I, I think we're all revolted by what we're seeing, but I think there's a little bit of light by what we just saw from the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, thank you for listening, especially, you know, we, we were going to talk about, we talked about the Raptors and Celtics. Uh, we had uh, assistant coach Scott Morrison from the Celtics, and I'm, uh, we said how, how happy we were that he would join us like that, and he, he's an awesome guy. Um, Andy Shep. Dan Wong, Jeff Cole, uh, your thoughts today, I, I think, I think really shed some light on, uh, on what's going on in the world today. I, I, I appreciate what you guys had to say, and thanks for listening. And hopefully there will be basketball by next week, and we'll have a more sports-oriented episode of Gym Rats and Joints. Quick shout-out to our sponsor, Henderson Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. Thanks, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 